Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. In the name of Jesus, human beings are good at making gods. It's sort of our thing. The human heart is constantly looking for things to trust in, to exalt as God. Things that really exalt us, lift us up, make us feel better. The gods that we humans set up are often reflections and imitations of the desires of our own hearts. If you look at the ancient Greek gods, for example, it's almost like Mount Olympus was a high school based on how the various deities treated one another and the humans who happened to worship them. In our day, uh, humanity has moved beyond such personal deities or statues or temples. Our idols, our false gods, our idolatry is in the realm of ideas. You can't find a religious temple, a place of worship dedicated to them. The true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit gets swapped out for something else. For Charles Darwin, as an example, in terms of the creed, God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, was swapped out for natural selection. Darwin often capitalized natural selection and many other things in his On the Origin of Species. Now, in older Bible translations, we know that capitalization reveals when God was being talked about. And so, for Charles Darwin, capitalizing natural selection was his confession of its godlike power at running the natural world. Now, there are other things that we as Americans idolize, that is, turn into gods. They're emblazoned in the Declaration that we have certain unalienable rights, capitalized, that among these are life, capitalized, liberty, capitalized, and the pursuit of happiness, capitalized. Now, these are certainly good gifts that we can properly receive from our Heavenly Father's gracious hand. But capital R, rights, capital L, life and liberty, capital H, happiness, well, that points in a different direction than just good gifts from God, especially how people today treat these things. Rights are things to which 
you are entitled. And today, entitlements abound. Rights abound. Chapter 36 of U.S. Code Title VII, for example. More and more, all the time, old ones cast off for better ones. New ones fashioned and crafted for each new generation. And these rights or entitlements are defended with religious devotion. The fight for new rights or entitlements is fought with a religious zeal. These are the idols of modern man. But it's not just out in the realm of politics. We act entitled all the time with the people around us. We expect to be treated in a certain way. Parents, instead of rejoicing in a godly honor from their children, act with a sense of entitlement toward their children. Children do so with their parents. And we all expect, feel entitled to be treated in a certain way by the people above us, by people below us, or the people just right next to us. And heaven help them if they do not live up to our expectations, our entitlement, our rights. All of this is old Adam's game of setting himself up as God. The things and ideas that help uh, old Adam personally, these are exalted as gods. And the things that aren't are demonized. They too, given proper names of demons or false gods, and so despotism is also in, capitalized in the declaration you see old adam yours mine wants to exalt himself he wants to be god in god's place like taking the best seat at the table so jesus's parable everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You are not entitled to anything before God. You are not entitled to anything you can demand or expect from God. Jesus says he sends rain on both the righteous, those with faith, and the unrighteous, those without faith. Why? Because of his fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in you. God doesn't owe you a single thing. Well, that's not quite true. What do you deserve from God? Well, you just confessed it, that you deserve temporal 
and eternal punishment, or temporal death and eternal damnation. Paul says the wages of sin, sin's payment, sin's due, what sin deserves, what you deserve, what you're entitled to because of your sin is death. You are entitled to nothing in yourself. But even though you deserve nothing from God, you end up being entitled to certain things. Not by way of personal rights or what you deserve, but by way of God's promises in Christ Jesus. The only thing you're entitled to is this, a free spot at Jesus' eternal feast. There is no need for you to claim a place or demand the best position at his table, which is actually what we do by sinful nature. Jesus gives the best spot away for free. He gives his spot to you, even as he claims yours as his own. As Jesus himself says today, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus fulfills that statement for you. There's no need to keep up the me-first fight with God and with each other. Jesus is first, eternally first, and he became last, least, for your sake. As Jesus also says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Or as Paul puts it in Philippians 2, that Jesus, who was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be stolen, but he made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Jesus takes our rebellious spot. He takes our lowest place, death as sinner of sinners. And you are exalted, lifted up by his humility. As the psalm puts it, he lifts the needy from the ash heap. And so you get that. You get what he promises. He promises a seat at his table. And so he earns it for you. He gives it to you. The only thing you're entitled to is that. A free spot at Jesus' eternal feast. You don't 
have to do anything for it. There's no need to set up ways and rules and entitlements for it, like the Pharisees wanted to do with Jesus, healing on the Sabbath. Jesus prepares you, heals you, so that you can attend his feast today and forever. Just like the man with dropsy was healed, so also Jesus forgives all your iniquity, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, from hell, and crowns you with his steadfast love and mercy. And this isn't just Calvary and Easter, but your baptism day. Each time, each day, you hear his word. Each time, you are absolved of your sins. And so now you can eat and drink at his table, the table of forgiveness today, where he gives his body and blood. This is the faith toward God aspect of communion, which we should not set at odds with the love toward one another aspect of communion. No entitlement to the sacrament. When you go to a wedding, do not take the best seat. It's all his free gift, his body and blood for forgiveness so that you are prepared. See, he prepares you, not you. He, not you. You are prepared for the one thing he promises to you today in Luke. That the only thing you're entitled to is this, a free spot at Jesus' eternal feast. In the name of Jesus.